Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in her space. So when you say took a turn, can you talk to us a little bit about what that turn was? Yes. I'm trying to figure out where do I even get started? Okay. And I got the tissues here, lady, because I feel like this is my, I feel like I might get emotional. So we may have to um, <laughs> take a little pause, but it's all good. This is, this is an, an important conversation <sighs> that needs to be had. <laughs> this is my nervous laughter right now. I'm just trying to center myself. And we're in this space together. Yes, we're in this space together. So let's see. Okay. So I researched um, a fertility clinic. I went to the fertility clinic and I had several tests done. And one of the first things they did was. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist. And Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Lady, don't forget we have our wedding dress giveaway going on this month. So be sure to visit herspacepodcast.com because, lady, you could get a free wedding dress for you or your loved one. Literally, free wedding dress. So be sure to check out herspacepodcast.com before that expires on September 30th. All right, ladies. So today we are diving into a topic that all of us can relate to on some level. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you can relate. Our quote of the day comes from Jada Pinkett Smith. I just think, as women, we have to give ourselves room to be individuals. So when a woman makes a decision for herself, we as women shouldn't set those hardcore boundaries for another woman. Just like we don't want men setting hardcore boundaries for us. All right, T. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) So, T, when did you know about your decision on motherhood? Mm, I would say probably as early as I can remember. I remember having baby dolls. Like, I've always had a little daughter. Like, as far as my baby dolls, they were like my little kids. Uh-huh. And so I used to play with Barbies. I had all the little Barbie dolls ever since I was little. And I'd have my baby and cook for it. And so I've known from a very young age. I feel like I was low-key programmed to like, you're a little girl. You're going to have a baby one day. And so I have, I've had my little babies, baby dolls since a kid. So I would say ever since I was little, I've been that typical girly girl where it's like, my wedding day is going to look like this and I'm going to have kids and all that. So I think from a very young age, I've known that I wanted to be a mother someday. And you say low key, but I want to say 
High key. High key, for real. High right? key socialized. Yeah. I think a lot of us were socialized mm-hmm. into we have to be mothers. Yes. And the definition of our womanhood was based around us being mothers. That when we think about like what our goals in life and our trajectory in life, being a mom was somewhere on that list for most of us. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dom? So for me, I was socialized in that way. And I had my Barbie dolls and then I had my siblings who I would parent. And coming from a big family, I think one of the things for me was I liked our holidays. And so while my siblings and I like... At times, you know, as kids, like we didn't get along and there were lots of moments where I was like, man, fuck that. I ain't having no kids. I ain't having no kids. (laughs) These kids is trouble. Like, I don't want that. (laughs) And, but then the holidays would come and it would be my siblings and all my cousins and it would just be a house full of people. And I love that. And like just the family. And I just remember thinking for a long time, that's what I want. Like, I want to have a family, like a huge family. Right. And I want to also like my mom was a single parent. And so like I was in my head, it was. I want to make sure that I have like a two parent family and that my family, you know, doesn't necessarily doesn't go through some of the struggles that my family went through. Kind of like this opportunity to correct what I saw as what society deemed as the ills of the family. Mm -hmm. Right. As a quote unquote non-traditional family. The older I got, the more I was like waffling back and forth. Like, I don't know about this. I mean, and I'd see people with babies and I'd be like, oh, that baby's so cute. And be like, okay, yes, I want this. Then I got to a point after, like once I hit 30, and I got to a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I like this independence. I love (laughs) this independence. Yeah, kids ain't going to be for me. Like, that's not going to happen. And people who knew me were kind of shocked that I made this switch. And because I had spent so much time saying, yeah, no, I want to have a family. Like, I I want all the kids and all of that. And then I made this, like, 180. And it was, but for me, it was about creating a life that felt really good. I have nieces and nephews who I love dearly. My friends' children, like I, like I thoroughly enjoy being nanny, TT, Auntie Dom, and like all those different names that they all call me. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy the, those roles, but I equally enjoy. Picking up and moving and going 
on my own. As you please. And give them babies back. And and when I can, exactly. Like when I can give them back, I'm like, oh, yes, the freedom. That's what feels good for me. And even working in higher education, I have an opportunity to mother, in a sense, students. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy that. So I feel fulfilled by doing those things. So my trajectory, my path is a little bit different. Yeah. Talk, tell me a little bit about where you are in your journey. Okay, real quick down. I'm going to get to that, but I got some questions, girl. You didn't drop all this <laughs> on me. I got to interrupt to ask you some questions, girl. No, I'm okay. going to be honest, okay? So be, I, when you were talking the entire time, I was thinking about, yo, society has really, like, it really has fucked up a lot of people because society tries to conform us and put us in these boxes and say, like, you have got to be a mother because you're a girl. And and as a kid, when you're raised to hear that, it makes sense. And so when I would hear women say, like, I don't want kids, I'm like, a list of questions. Why? Oh my gosh. Some people think, oh, that's selfish. Oh, what about legacy? Like all these things come to mind. And so for me now as an adult, I get it. But I want to know, like for you, did you hear anything, I guess, interesting from people or, or I don't know, like what was your experience as far as what people said about that? Because for some people I know it's like, but you're a woman, you're supposed to have a baby, but it's like, no, you're not really supposed to. You do what you want to do with your body and your life. And you made a beautiful statement about what feels good to you, which is radical and and amazing, I think. And I think that's the hard part is that we are so socialized to follow what everyone else says we're supposed to do. And for me, it's about doing it really is about doing what feels right for me, whether it falls in line with what society believes in or not. Does is this something that resonates with me? I have had people say, oh, well, I wish you would have kids. And and I know that they mean well. And I've had people, you know, everyone has to go through their own grieving process of, oh, well, Dominique is not going to have kids. And whatever expectations they have around, like their dreams around like, if Dominique has kids, this is what this would look like, right? Because we all do that. When we have people, loved ones, like we we have our vision for, for them. And we have to learn to let go of that vision for them. And so like people in my life yet yeah, have had to make that adjustment. But I think that if I was younger, like maybe in my early 20s, I think people would have a harder time. But because I'm older and by this point, like my friends and I have all kind of lived through different things. People are, it's easier for people to accept, well, this is what Dominique says she wants for her life. We got to respect it. Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool. And I always, one thing I always hear people say, I just want to throw it out there. Not that I'm asking this question, but I'm just going to throw it out there. People often say things like, but don't you want to see what your baby's going to look like? Don't you want to see a little you? Have you ever heard that one? Yeah. Okay. And And I mean, and the reality (laughs) is that, well, I look at some of my nieces and I'm like, "Mm, okay. 
take a look, right? And it's like, <laughs> you know, and it, if that's the only reason you want to, I mean, no judgment, but if that's the only reason you want to have a child, just to see like, what is this little person going to look like? There's a whole, a lot of other stuff you got to do and responsibilities. It's like, that shouldn't be the only reason, but I feel like those are some of the things that come up, but I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's so fucking bold and like courageous to, to defy the societal norm in that way. And just say, you know what? I really love my independence. I love this. And I know there are some women we hear about like Oprah. I think Oprah, when she was younger, I think she was pregnant, right? Yeah. And I don't remember exactly what happened with that pregnancy. I don't, I don't know if it was a miscarriage or abortion. I don't remember what happened, but I know that she now doesn't have children, but she adopts, right? She has her school mm-hmm. for girls. And there are some women that are older now and they're like, oh, I regret it. I wish I would have done it. Maybe I focused on career. But to make that statement when you could still want to, if you, if you, you know, wanted and say, you know what? I actually don't want to do this. I think that's pretty dope. And for me personally, I also raised my siblings. I raised my four younger siblings. And because I had to be mom for them, basically since they were, since they, you know, first started being born when I was eight years old and I had to change diapers register them for school, be there as an emotion support when my parents weren't there. I was like, oh, hell no. I'm not going to, I refuse to be, get pregnant before I feel like I'm ready because I had to be a mom for so long. And I wanted to have my freedom. I wanted to be able to have a chance to travel and do things in the world. And so I think that's what, that saved me. That was the best birth control ever. Cause girl, let me tell you, I didn't have, mm -mm. I waited late to have sex and everything. So I was like, y'all, I ain't about to get trapped. Okay. I'm about to have my freedom, goddammit. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so that was the experience. And then mm. I got married. I think I was around 25 when I got married. And we were like, oh no, we want to wait to have kids. Cause I was still in my career mode. And I was still like, I want to enjoy my husband. I want to enjoy my independence as a childless woman. And about two years ago, my husband and I had a conversation and we were like, you know, we've had a chance to travel. We've done things. We've moved. Let's go ahead and try to start a family. And for me, it's been like, I feel like everything in my life I've had to fight for, right? So whether it's like degree, um, goals, I mean, everything has been really a struggle for me. But because two years ago, I was at this place where I was pretty, you know, pretty accomplished. I felt good. I went to school. I did things with quote unquote, as society would say, you did things the right way, right? Um, which is fuck the right oh, way. Exactly. That's a whole other yeah. conversation. Like you just do what works for you. But I didn't think that it would be hard per se to get pregnant. Though I do remember when I was 18 years old, I went for my uh, pap smear. Mm-hmm. And I remember the doctor saying to me that I actually remember this just randomly. She said that I have um, PCOS, mm-hmm. which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And she's like, oh, it just means you have cysts on your ovaries. And so one day, whenever you're ready to have kids, you may have some trouble. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm 18 years old. Fuck thinking about kids. Like, that's nowhere near my, no, I'm not worried. But there was always something weird in the back of my mind. And I actually take back what I just said. There was always something weird in the back of my mind where I I felt like I wasn't able to have kids because I never gotten pregnant before. And I was just like, oh, maybe I just can't. But now that I'm like actively trying it's been a struggle and it's been a two year journey and nothing has happened. And so because of that, it's like, okay, um, you know, I, we've been doing, doing the, the do, like what's going on? Nothing has happened. So we went to a doctor and we decided to go to a fertility clinic because I talked to other people. I talked to friends. I also have family members that, you know, when you, you know, when you get partner, people are like, 
Asking all those invasive questions. Exactly. When are the babies When's coming? When's the baby coming? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, all my family, they were really excited because I'm like the first, you know, born for my parents. And so they wanted to know, like, well, what's the baby coming? I'm like, oh, we're trying. And then it started getting discouraging. I'm like, God damn, every time someone asks, I'm just like kind of sad and annoyed because it's like, it's still not happening. And then that's kind of the, I guess, overview of like where I am in my life. We've talked about this before about like setting boundaries with mm-hmm. people, right? Like when they're, when they're asking and they're yeah. well-intentioned and, but they don't know what it's doing to you. Mm-hmm. So like when people like would constantly ask and you knew you were in the midst of trying, mm-hmm. but you couldn't really say, mm. or you like chose not to say. I think Cause that's different, right? Yeah. 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 Chose not to say. I think in the beginning, it was cute. It was kind of like, oh, people are excited. We're excited. We're trying. But as it began to become a struggle for us and it became a stressor where I was like peeing on the stick and tracking my ovulation and it became sort of like clockwork because we're like, okay, we're trying to make this happen. Then it became a little annoying and I wanted to snap. I wanted to say something to them. But I'm like, these people, I know they mean well. They don't get it. They don't know. And so it was just kind of like, fuck Kind of isolating too, because we were at a point, it's so crazy. My husband and I had so many friends that were trying to get pregnant around the same time that we were. And every single person got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Even one of my friends, we were struggling together and she was having trouble. And so she went to the doctor and got these different procedures done. And she ended up getting pregnant after. And I was like, oh my God, we're the only, like, it's just us. We're the only ones now. And so that has been tough. It's been hard, especially when I fought so hard to get things in my life and it didn't come easy, but I fought really hard to accomplish things in life. And now this one thing that I want so bad is not coming easily. It's 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 tough. It's discouraging. And so where do you get support? Because like you said, like people are constantly people, well-intentioned people are going to ask like, oh, so how's the process? And they they want they want it because you want it. Mm hmm. Where do you get support? Because I also know that you're not the only one who has had this struggle. Mm -hmm. Well, I, let's see, I was going to therapy. So I was able to talk to my therapist about it. Um, I didn't really talk to my family too much because they didn't really understand. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people would make little comments. Like, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say a joke, but it was like, you know, I talked to them and it's like, are you pregnant yet? And it's like, uh no, we're kind of having a hard time and they kind of don't understand. So I think just trying to, you know, distance myself from those conversations. So I would say therapy was one. Also just like looking online for support groups and resources and, you know, good friends. And I think that's pretty much it. I didn't feel like I needed help until this year when things sort of took a turn. So when you say took a turn, Can you talk to us a little bit about what that turn was? Yes. I'm trying to figure out where do I even get started? Okay. And I got the tissues here, lady, because I feel like this is my, I feel like I might get emotional. So we may have to um, (laughs) take a little pause, but it's all good. This is, this is an an important conversation (sighs) that needs to be had. (laughs) This is my nervous laughter right now. I'm just trying to center myself. And we're in this space together. We're in this space together. So let's see. Okay. So I researched um, a fertility clinic. I went to the fertility clinic and I had several tests done. And one of the first things 
they did was I had so many freaking, I wouldn't even call it pap smears, but they just, they had to like, girl, I used to be so nervous going to the doctor, like putting your legs up on the stirrups. At this point, I'm just like, come on, come, come take a look at my, my stuff. Cause at this point they just been up in there all, all, you know, all crazy. But I went and had something called an HSG, I believe. Mm-hmm. Does that ring a bell? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what they did with the HSG, along with a lot of other tests, they evaluated um, my ovaries. And so basically it's like they, they place in, they call, I guess, some kind of dye in your cervix and take x-rays. And so there were several different tests that we took first. That was like our first step at the fertility clinic. They tested my husband, made sure his sperm count was good, tested me to make sure my eggs and ovaries were good. And after all these various tests, they said everything was good. We have what you call unexplained. Is it unexplained? Unexplained. Unexplained. Mm-hmm. unexplained infertility. So we have unexplained infertility. However, the doctor did say, he said, I have PCOS ovaries. So I had very like large cysts on my ovaries. Um, but he didn't, he didn't really say like what to do about it. So I was like, okay, so I just went to girl, I went to Google and I was Mm -hmm. researching everything. And so what I decided to do when we got that news, which was about last year, whoa, it's just crazy. Last year, this time we got that news and I was like, all right, my little baby is not here yet, but I'm about to start changing up my life. So I changed up my diet drastically. I went to, um, I took out dairy. I became pescatarian and started eating a lot more vegetables and fruits and so I did that and we continued to try. And then we went back to the doctor, still didn't get pregnant. And what I did notice is that the system, my ovaries decreased significantly. Mm. Now the doctor, I don't know, they didn't say anything about that, but I, when, when I went, I took notes on everything. And so I can, he counted and gave me the count. And I think I had like 36 or 32 mm. on one side and 30 on another, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. And the next time I went, I had about somewhere in the teens on each side. So I was like, wow. that's pretty significant. He didn't tell me it was from my diet, but I, I am like almost positive that it's because of my lifestyle change. And so at that point, um, we decided to go with fertility treatments. So we went through a round of IUI. Are you familiar with IUI? No, I haven't heard of this. So it's not IVF, which is like okay. way more expensive. Um, IUI is, oh Lord, I'm going to butcher this word. Intrauterine insemination. Okay. And so basically what IUI does is they try to remember these processes because it's been a while. So what they did was they took my husband's sperm sample, cleaned that sample, and then they triggered me to ovulate and they put, mm-hmm. they actually put the sperm up in your vagina, my, or yes, in your, in your exactly, uterus, in my mm-hmm. uterus to make it closer so that the baby, you know, it could do its thing and we could potentially get pregnant easier. And so we went through one round of that. I will say that was a lot. I had to like shoot myself in the stomach mm-hmm. with a shot to make me, um, to make me ovulate. I was like so hormonal because of everything, all the medication they had me taking. It's like, I'm like, I never even knew this whole world existed, but this is what women go through. So we went through one round of that. It was unsuccessful. And that was like a couple grand, Mm -hmm. just like with the medication and the Mm -hmm. procedure, everything. Right. I don't think our insurance covered that. So that was unsuccessful. So we waited the next month and then we did it again. So we're like, all right, we want to do this. So with the second round, we ended up getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. We were so excited. Um, So excited, as you can imagine. I told you down. I was like, oh my gosh, girl, I'm pregnant. And I... I definitely had a glow. I definitely had like a little pudge and 
I told my family because everyone was waiting. Like everyone was mm-hmm. so excited. I'm like, I can't wait to share this news. So we told our close family. I didn't post it on social media, but we told the people close to us. And also my grandmother, she's been telling me for the past few years since we've been married, like, I just want to be alive for you to have your baby. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I've always been her baby. So she's like, I just want to see your baby. And I'm like, I felt this like pressure to get pregnant while she was here. So I knew she wasn't, you know, she wasn't doing too well since my grandfather passed. I was like, all right, I got to get pregnant. Cause I think that'll like keep her around. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And so we ended up getting pregnant. It was really, really exciting. And then this year, the day after mother's day, we went for our first ultrasound. It was our, um, I forget how far along we were, but we went for the ultrasound and it was the day before my husband's birthday, the day after mother's day. And they told us the doctor, it was so crazy because we went up to the appointment. We see the, you know, my uterus on the screen and his face just something ain't right. We're like, oh shit. And I, girl, I have been Googling. So I knew what my, what my ultrasound should have looked like at, I think we were what, six, eight weeks or so. Mm. I, I know what it was supposed to look like. And I was like, oh, something, I knew something wasn't right, but I was like, all right, it's going to be okay. So um, he basically said, you know what? This pregnancy isn't progressing the way that it's supposed to. Um, so you should expect to have a miscarriage. And I was like, okay. I so wait, like, fuck. Can I interrupt mm-hmm, for a mm-hmm. moment? Yes. So the doctor told you ahead of time, mm-hmm. like this miscarriage is going to happen. He said it's likely, he's like, it's not growing at the rate that it should be. Like, I believe at that point we should have been able to see, I think that day we should have been able to hear the heartbeat. So whatever period of time you get pregnant and hear the heartbeat, that was the appointment that we went to. And he said, yeah, this isn't going to happen. I was like, okay. And so my husband was like, okay. And then I was just like, damn. So I, mm-hmm. what were the feelings that came up? Girl, I can I only imagine. So frustrated. I was like trying to be patient. I've been trying to be really positive. Oh, the other thing is, and I, a lot of women experience this. My best friend is pregnant. My best, like my BFF from childhood. And so at one point we were actually pregnant at the same time and we were texting each other. I downloaded all the pregnancy apps. So I'm like checking, texting my family, like, hey y'all, this is the size of the baby today. I'm like so excited. So when I got that, I was just like, okay. And I was like, all right. And sometimes I have this um this thing within me where I'm like, okay, gotta be positive. It's gonna be okay. And I remember talking with Gurian. And if you listen to our, you know, one of our last episodes, that's my executive coach. And we talk about a lot of personal stuff. And I remember telling her about where I was. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to make this a positive so that, you know, someone else can benefit. And she's like, pause, mm-hmm. take a moment. <laughs> and she's like, um, give yourself space to feel how you feel. Like, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. Like, it's okay to be frustrated. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I broke down when she said that. I was like, okay. Because I felt like I was like putting on this, um, I was... I wouldn't even say putting on a front, but I was trying to push myself. I was trying to force myself past the hurt to get to the mm-hmm. place of being valuable for someone else. Because I've always kind of had to like, okay, how am I going to turn this into a positive? You know what I mean? But not really making space for you. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that you are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And yet you're feeling this expectation that society constantly places on us that we have to like, even if we're going through shit, yeah. we have to find a way to think about other people through our own shit. That, but also I feel like I was low, like I was also potentially sort of hiding from the truth. Like I kind of didn't want to see like 
oh God, this is where I'm at. And so kind of thinking about, oh, the positivity, that was a way for me to kind of get away from what I was feeling. And so when she gave me that advice and she was like, I would encourage you to go home. Like if you have to leave work early, this is a lot, like leave, go home and just let it out. Like have a good cry. And I was like, okay. So at that point I was like, the miscarriage, my body wasn't actually miscarrying. So I was actually, my. let me just say this. I told you that my boobs, they were so nice. I'm just, I know it's so, we gotta, we gotta add some, yeah. some comedy yeah. into this. Okay. But I was, you know, my boobs had started to get big. My, I started to gain a little bit of weight and my body was still very much pregnant, but it didn't know that it was miscarriage. Like it was mm-hmm. preparing for a miscarriage. So the first two weeks after that appointment, it was all emotional and mental for me. So my body was still pregnant, but, and I was still hormonal, super tired, but I kept, like, I just, I, I, I held space for myself to be honest. And I let my best friend know, like, girl, this is what's happening. She was so supportive. I had to text all the family members and say, Hey y'all, we just got this news. Um, we're dealing with it. Um, we'll reach out when we're ready. Cause I just wanted space. I didn't want them to reach out and then have to say, Oh yeah, sorry, this happened. So I just wanted to give everyone the notice. So we text our people and the next two weeks, I just held space for myself like crazy. I, um, I journaled, I recorded voice memos and like vlogs for myself. I cried. I meditated. I mean, I just literally, I took time off from work as well, like personal days because I really needed that time. Yeah. And I wanted space also like where my husband wouldn't be home. Cause I just wanted to be able to, you know what I mean? Be with yourself. Yeah. Be with myself and get myself back into the mental space. So I did that for about two weeks and it was very therapeutic. It was so needed. And then the next two weeks after that were the toughest. That was when my body actually like began to miscarry. And I had never, I never needed to know about miscarriages and polycystic ovarian syndrome and infertility until it happened to me. And so I did vow to myself, like, when I get over this and when I heal, I'm going to talk about this because so many women go through this. And I felt so alone initially until I began to look into these pregnancy apps and I began to ask questions. I I connected with strangers. I don't even know their names, but they commented in the group and they gave me advice. And it was just so comforting to have that app on my phone where I wouldn't be judged. I could just talk to people about what I was feeling. And so the next two weeks, um, my body was very slow with letting go of the miscarriage. And so I went back to the doctor because I had to test things out to make sure I didn't have an infection. And he's like, well, your body is not really doing anything. So we may have to do what they call a DNC, mm-hmm. which is, I'm going to go ahead and look this up because I want to make sure I'm giving you the right information, lady. But it's basically like a surgical procedure where they actually go in. It's dilation and curatage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the procedure where they surgically go into your cervix and they scrape out the contents or the the tissue from the miscarriage. And when I read, when I looked into that, I was like, I don't want to have to do that. I'm already having fertility issues. There's a chance that they could, you know, potentially leave scar tissue and make it even more difficult to get pregnant. So I just, I prayed so hard and I was just like, God, I don't want to have to do that. I want my body to do it naturally. And so I, what should I do? I began to meditate and like really visualize my my body, like my, my female reproductive system. And I like, I I know it might sound a little out there for some people, but let me tell you, I believe in the power of thought and the power of our words and the power of visualization. So I began to concentrate on that area and visualize the baby just passing, you know, the miscarriage passing on its own. I went to acupuncture. Acupuncture was so game changing for me, Dom. And long story short, I did all that and I ended up passing it naturally with no Mm -hmm. 
medication, no procedure. It was extremely painful. I wanted to like maybe do another episode where we go into the details of what that entailed. Cause that was like, I, my friend was telling me when you go through a miscarriage, you're actually having contractions like you would when you're having a baby. And so those contractions and the, the tissue that came out of me, it was like, whoa, it was, it was, it was a lot. Let's all take a collective breath. Cause that was a lot to share. That was a lot for you to experience. Yeah. And I appreciate that you, you step back and you let yourself like go through it. And I know that, you know, you meant, you kind of mentioned that we will sometimes throw ourselves into our work or into giving to other people so that we don't have to deal. And if you've been listening to us for a while, then you know that we've been consistent with putting out episodes. So every Friday, there's a new episode that you get to listen to. That means that as Terry has been going through this, we are still putting out content. But I want our listeners to like to know and to be clear that when you took those two weeks, we took two weeks. We made sure that we had things in place so that you could have that space that you needed. Yes, that, and I appreciate you bringing that to just everyone's attention. Dom. Also, I talked to my manager. Now I'm mm-hmm. usually the person I will, I know how to take some shit. Okay. I've had to deal with bullshit. I'm a mm-hmm. professional at just putting up and sucking it up and shutting the fuck up and just like dealing with bullshit. Like I'm a pro at that. And this time I said, I am, this is one of the first times in my life where I've, I've experienced a, a trauma and I held space for myself in a healthy way. And so I told my manager, we, you know, I took her into a room and said, Hey, can I have five minutes? And we like damn near cried together. And I just told her like, this has been happening. Like I'm going through this. I'm really going to need some time. And she was so supportive and so flexible. And usually I would just, I would just be quiet. I wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want my business out there. Fuck that. I know that I needed help. And lady, if you are going through something, depend on the people around you and your support system, right? Like, Tell people, sometimes we got to tell people what we're going through. We're only human, right? right? And so I told her, like, I'm going to need some time. She was so, she was so amazingly supportive. I mean, she, she was like, you know, if you need to work from home, that's fine. If you need to take a few days, like, that's fine. Do what you need to do to be okay. And so I told her, she didn't share it with it. She said she wouldn't share it with anyone else at that point, which was good. Cause I felt like I still, I didn't want my colleagues to think that I was just, you know, MIA because I was, I was really going through. And so I was able to be at home and pass things at home, which felt safe. But even at work, there was one day where I was just like, you know, I was actually having the cramps and, and the the blood flow and everything. And I was just like, God damn it, women, we need to be celebrated. Okay. Cause we go yeah. through so much shit and we still have to show up. I remember going, you know, working with customers, presenting and being in boardrooms, smiling and having meetings. And I'm going through a fucking miscarriage. And it's just like, you just never know what someone's going through. So we have to hold space for ourselves. Cause if I didn't do that for myself, no one else would have known and no one else would have done it for me. So we have to, we got to put our mask on first before we try to service other people. Right. Right. We do. It's been some time. Mm -hmm. And so where are you now in the journey? Oh girl. Okay. So after that, um, my body finally got back to normal. The hormones, I feel like they kind of, they pretty much left. And then um, a month after that, my grandmother passed away. So I was just like, okay, I can't, I can't catch a break. And that was, 
it was just, it was difficult to deal with that back to back. But again, luckily I have a great support system. So Dom, you have been a tremendous support, my therapist, my coach, my husband, you know, family members. So that's been great. At this point, um, we are still trying, but I'm just not, I'm just trying to just be healthy. I just want to be the healthiest me. I've been doing a lot of meditation. I know what's going to happen. I'm very hopeful. Um, yeah, I'm very hopeful. I know that it's going to happen, but it's just like, this is just part of the journey. And my best friend, she's due uh, next month. And I plan on going, flying out there to like help her with the baby. I'm like, girl, I'm going to take care of your baby because I'm living through her. And I'm just really grateful that, you know, even though she was pregnant and she has a successful pregnancy, we were still able to keep in touch. Like I never, I'm just, I, I never felt like, I don't want to say jealous or or envious, but it was more so one of those things where it's like, I'm really genuinely happy for you. And I also really want my, my baby. I really want this. And my, my coach was like, you can, those can both live in the same space, right? Yes, like yes. you can be genuinely happy because I'm genuinely happy for my best friend. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want anything to happen. I'm like her number one supporter. And at the very same time, that's co- the thing that's coexisting on this other side is I really, 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 really want my little baby. You know what I mean? Right. And it's okay to have those feelings. And I'm so happy that my best friend and I were able to talk about that. She still kept me up to date about her pregnancy. Um, I deleted all the pregnancy apps. I'm like, I don't need no reminders about how many weeks I would have been. So I deleted right. that for self-care yeah. and my sanity. But at this point, yes, we're still trying. Um, ideally, my hope and my gut is saying that it's going to happen naturally this time. And so I'm just being healthy, girl. I'm just being healthy. I'm celebrating all the various people on social media that I see who are pregnant and who are announcing pregnancies. Because, girl, you know, when you're going through, you see everybody else that's like right. getting what they want. You're like... Everybody else is getting the thing that I want, but it's not happening. So that's that's where I'm at right now. And I think it's about trusting that process. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite phrase. Yes, trust the process. <laughs> trust the process. And, and know that what's meant for you will come to fruition when it's supposed to. Not necessarily in the time that you wanted or have initially planned for it, but when it's supposed to. And Tom, before we dive into our next topic, because we have a whole another topic that we need to dive into, is there anything that I may have missed out from that journey that someone may have questions about? I'm just trying to think of you, lady, as you listen. I'm like, I don't want to leave something out. And you're like, wait, how did you do this? Or what did you do for that? So feel free to think about that. And I do want to shout out one of my girlfriends. She, I texted her about what happened and she sent me this beautiful care package that had um, candles, a journal, oils, a beautiful card, and it came in this beautiful box. And I thought that was the sweetest thing because it's like, what in it? And some snacks, girl. She sent some snacks, some gummy bears and something else. And I was like, hell yeah, girl, I tore that shit up. But I feel like you don't know what to send someone when that happens. And so that's an idea of what you could send. Um, There's really nothing that you can really say, you know, when someone's going through that. There are things that you should not say. Like what? I would say, oh my gosh, um, I had someone, and here's the thing, people mean well. But just be mindful and think of how someone who's so close to this 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 trauma feels. There was one woman who was like, well, how far along were you? And I was like, oh, I think I was around, I was probably around eight to 10 weeks. I don't remember because I really tried to forget how far along I was because it was like a lot. But I was around like somewhere between eight to 10 weeks. And she's like, oh, you weren't that far along. So it probably wasn't that traumatic. I'm like, no, I want to say no, bitch, it was. Like, no, you can't tell someone. No. I don't care if you were like one week pregnant or if you had what they call a... um. Oh, I forgot the term, but I don't care if you were like one week or like two weeks or three weeks pregnant. 
it's a loss, you know, like right. it, it's important to grieve that loss. And so don't say things that are going to minimize someone's experience. You mm-hmm. know, we are all impacted differently. Like you could lose your pet and someone could say, oh, well, at least it wasn't a family member. No, but that was like your family. So it's like right. we can't we can't do that to people. We really got to hold space for people to have their experience. Um, the other thing. So that's like a big no, no. Um Maybe it wasn't time or maybe you weren't meant to have kids. Someone said something along that lines of like, oh, maybe you were meant to like be a, you know, a mother figure to other people. And it's like, no, don't say that to someone who just had a miscarriage, you know, let that person make that choice for themselves that that's what they want. But right now, if someone is going through a miscarriage and they're saying if they're saying I want children, that is what is that's the space that they're in. Mm -hmm. And so. We have to figure out how best to support that person through that process. Mm -hmm. And I think something as simple as like, I'm so sorry for your loss. How can I support you? Open the door and they might not even know how to support. You can Google stuff, but just be mindful of the words that you say and like how you validate or or minimize someone's experience. I would say Um, that's any other questions come up for you. Um, You talked a little bit about going through fertility treatments Mm -hmm. And so talk to us a little bit. Can you speak a little bit more about what those fertility treatments were like? Because you said, you know, you all didn't do IVF. And a lot of people, IVF is what is more common for people, right? That's the term that people hear more, more often, I should say. Not necessarily more common. It's the term that people hear more often. How did you all get to that decision to do, to try fertility treatments? And what were the thoughts and feelings that were coming up through that process? Um, I think for us, it was like, it's been, they usually say you have to try at least for a year, like naturally before you qualify for fertility. And so we have been trying for, I think maybe like a year, a year and a half. And we were just like, okay, I mean, I do want at least two children. I'll be 30, like in November. And I, you know, they say that after you turn 30, things start to change with your body. They do. They do. Oh, they, oh, they okay. do. Well, we can have a whole other conversation. I was about to say, yes, girl, we're going to need to do that. I'm going to need that. But I thought about my age. I thought about the amount of children I wanted to have. I thought about my career. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to put all this stuff on hold because my, you know, my baby is going to be the priority. But that was, that's what we thought about. And we were just kind of like, we're really ready for it. And I don't know what's going to happen. So I, in a way, I kind of felt like the fertility treatment would kind of be a guarantee, even though I know it's not like I thought that it would put us a lot closer, which I guess technically it is supposed to, but there is always a chance of you miscarrying. Um, as far as the details, I feel like we need to have another conversation about that. Cause I want to look at my notes because I did like write in my journal and took notes, but we got there because it was just a long time coming. And it was like, let's just do this, you know, let's do it and let's see what happens. And that's when we found a really good fertility clinic in our area. And we decided they had, you know, great reviews and we decided to go ahead and try it out. And so one of the things that I think about in terms of motherhood, as you're having this conversation of, or sharing this information about your journey, and I think about my journey and One of the things that I would tell my younger self would be to look into, and when I say my younger self, I mean my under 25 self, to look into 
the feasibility of freezing my eggs. Because I think, one, I recognize that, like, being in this country, like, the option to do that is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Not all of us will be able to afford that. Not all of us will have a job that will cover that. What I would say is that when you're searching for jobs, because I'm saying I'm speaking to my under 25, you're looking for your first job in your career. Look at the benefits that potential employers offer. Some employers do cover fertility treatments. And so I would want my younger self to investigate the feasibility of freezing my eggs that way that takes that concern off the table for me so that I could live, I could pursue my career. I could live my life. I could do things that in a way that feels comfortable. And let's say that I get to the point where I'm 30 and I want to start having kids if I'm having fertility issues, if I have my eggs already frozen, that could be an option. But again, I also recognize that I might not, right? So then if I don't, I can look into options on what to do with those eggs. But I wish that someone would have known exactly. to tell me under, you know, before 25 to look into freezing your eggs. Mm -hmm. I have a girlfriend who just told me this like last week that she's looking at freezing her eggs. She's in her thirties. And I was like, what in my mind? I was like, that sounds so far off. Like that's so dope that we live in a, in a world where you can do that. And her job is going to pay for it too. But people have been doing that for decades. What? That's been around for a long time. The problem is that information does not get shared with exactly. us. Right. And particularly for black women. Exactly. There are a lot of things related to our health care that information that we don't receive, mm -hmm. things related to our bodies that people ignore us when we when we share. Yep. And so, you know, because your doctor didn't even share anything or comment on your diet changes and exactly or acupuncture. Like I feel like I I did my own research because I'm more inclined to do things naturally. I don't want to have a lot of hormones and shit in my body because I know it I, I've had bad experiences and I know that a lot of that stuff is not really meant for us, right? And for our our well-being. Though medication can be helpful in some instances, but acupuncture um, I also wanted to point out the apps that I used during that time. So mm -hmm. Ovia is one of the pregnancy apps. There's also What to Expect. That's a really great app where I was, girl, I was in that community. Like, what happens if this happens? And they were just, it's so, it's anonymous. So everyone was just so supportive. It was so helpful. I also looked into having a doula. Mm -hmm. So we found this mother-daughter, um, this Black women, mother-daughter, uh, mother-daughter, what is it, team. Uh, and we talked to them. And our therapist recommended them. So it's it's just been a really, a really good journey of having positive people around. I will say I've had my chosen village that I brought into this journey because you can't have everybody in this journey because people, they don't know how to respond sometimes. They don't know how to support. So lady, if you are going through fertility issues, miscarriage, anything related to any, I want to say womb um, issues, know that you are not alone. So many of us go through it and- Reach out for help, right? Reach out yeah. to your support system. Reach out to your therapist. Reach out to an online community. I mean, if you're one of those women, you're like, I don't have anyone, Terry and Dom. 
look at one of these apps and just start a conversation and see what other women are doing because there are so many women that are struggling with fertility issues and they they struggle in silence. Right, right. And on a future episode, we will have a gynecologist who is an expert in Black women and our fertility. Um, she's done a lot of research, particularly around fibroids, which if you've listened enough times, you know that I've shared that I've had um, my experience with fibroids and like so many other Black women. And so Dr. Joy Cooper will join us on a future episode and talk to us about fibroids and other gynecological issues, particularly for Black women. If you enjoyed today's episode, if you resonated with any of the content, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We do read all reviews and we appreciate your support. And we want to know, what do you think about the episode? Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast. Or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I will not judge myself for where I'm starting. I'm making progress every day. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, lady.